like my limit was there like i could so i could see very clearly where my limit in terms of growth was gonna be if i uh, continued to work on magazines so i had this feeling about like being in the sinking ship and i was like i don't want to be in the sinking ship this early on in my career i wanted to to grow more and i saw more area of opportunity in in other careers or other areas for example technology i knew i didn't knew anything about business for example and i felt that if i wanted to to grow and also and also make more money i had to expand welcome to or welcome back to fashion career stories my name is lucas silva edward i am a career strategist and executive coach my role is to help you design a successful life and career in one of the most glamorous industry on the planet but also one of the most competitive With more than 10 years of experience in the fashion and luxury industry here in Paris, France, thanks to my large diversity of position from retail, wholesale, product development, fashion editor, I have acquired an insider view of what it takes to succeed in groups like LVMH, Kering, Chanel, but also fashion tech startup or small designer brand. For that reason, I interview each week fashion professionals at different stages of their career in order to decode the best practices, tactics, and strategies. My hope for you is that you will find in this conversation some inspiration and insights that will help you build your professional journey in the world of fashion and luxury. Before we start, I want to take a moment and give you a big thank you for supporting this podcast. A few months back, when I started recording season one, I said to myself, just do a few episodes, see how you feel. And now I'm launching season two thanks to the amazing support of all of the previous guests who were kind enough to play along. But also from all of you listening, each and every one of you who has reached out and given me some comments and feedback. Especially my students at the Institut Français de la Mode who have provided me with great support. It's mean a lot to me. This podcast is the one I wish I had a few years back when I started my career. And today, I'm doing it to help the next generation get on the right track as fast as possible. Which gives me the perfect transition to our guest today, Ikerne Mestre. Ikerne is one of my former students and she now works in Mexico as a freelance for a fashion tech company based in France. She's in charge of opening the Mexican market and promote the commodity. I wanted to kick off this season with Ikerne because she illustrates a concept that is key to my philosophy, the chess mindset, which is the capacity to plan several moves ahead in order to get to your objective. So I invited you to stay until the end because I break down this concept in the conclusion and give you three strategies that you can start in planning thinking today. In this episode, you will also learn what does it mean to work as an editorial starlet for a non-magazine, how to keep an eye on opportunities and be at service of others, how to shift your career path in the fashion tech, what recruiters are looking for in a candidate, and the secret to adapt to any new position. And with no further ado, please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Ekarne Mestre. Psst. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. This is the most efficient way to help us grow and entice people to listen to the show. Don't be shy. Hit those five stars and show us some love in the comment section. Hi, Ekarne. Hi, Lucas. Fine, and you? I'm good, I'm good. I'm so happy to, to have you. And, and I'm so happy to be here with you. Thank you for having me. So I'm mm-hmm. really glad to, uh, to have you. And, um, and I wanted to talk to you because uh, your pro- profile is so rich because uh, you work and live in Mexico, but you did some part of your studies uh, here in, uh, in France. That's where we, we met. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you started working uh, more for magazine in terms of styling. I think you write a little bit uh, uh, as well. But now today you work uh, in tech. So a lot of different changes. And that's why I wanted to kind of uh, talk to you and, and understand a little bit more uh, about your journey. But before that, uh, I would like to kind of go back a little bit and tell me uh, about like when was kind of the... When did you decide that you wanted to kind of work in, uh, in, in fashion? And what was kind of your earliest memory about fashion and art and creativity in general? 
Um, well, I remember I wanted to work in fashion for for as long as I can remember, honestly, since I was a little girl. Um, I've always uh, loved to read and watch documentaries about fashion, about the designers, biographies, etc. Um, my last year, I also liked acting. <laughs> so my last um, high school year, I was deciding, but at, le at last I decided uh, it was going to be fashion. Here in Mexico, it's hard to study fashion because it's the, the options are quite limited. You can, you can study to be a designer, a fashion designer or a textile designer, but other careers related to fashion are, were non-existent at that time. I remember I, w I was looking and schools were or really small or just starting, so it wasn't like really good options. At last, I uh, found the school that it's um, the um, oldest school to have the career in fashion. And they were opening the career in fashion, but it was uh, specialized in marketing and publicis, in publishing. So, it, no, advertising, sorry. So I decided it, that was the greatest option because I knew I wanted to study fashion and be in the fashion industry. But from the start, I knew I didn't want it to be a fashion designer. Um, so that was my choice. I studied there and I went to do my specialization in Paris also. It was a few months uh, in a school in Paris. There I um, uh, did a very, very short internship during the haute couture week, uh, helping backstage and uh, as a dresser and as a PR assistant. And I remember uh, being there and saying, I'm not coming back to Paris. I don't like it here, no. But then I came back and I was like, I, I started seeing that it was uh, really Paris is, it came to be like my, like the best option to continue my studies. So I ended up returning to Paris now from my master's degree. Um, and well, I just came back a few months ago to, uh, to Mexico for, because I have a remote internship. Mm. Okay, so quite a, yeah. quite a journey. And um, coming back to what you were saying about being an, an actress, well, what, what, does, what does it mean for you? When did you decide that you liked acting? It was something that you were when, when you were a kid. What does it represent mm. for you? I think I've always been really creative and love um, creating stuff and being on stage and being with people. Um, I remember I, I really enjoyed theater specifically. So it was all about the costumes and about getting on stage was the thing that I liked the most. But at the end, I decided that um, the actor's life wasn't something that I really wanted. So it was something that I had in my head, like really glamorized. But on the day-to-day -day basis, it wasn't something that I that went with my with the lifestyle that I wanted to have and and honestly it was like really like it was really easy for me to to decide no it's fashion it's uh, it's honestly fashion because I remember that in high school and all the way to yeah I, I always was reading about fashion and was all all everything that I watched on the tv that I saw on Facebook, on Instagram, on um, everything was related to fashion. I was always consuming fashion, so it was like it, very obvious for me. What was your kind of source of inspiration at that time? You say on TV or in magazine, what, what did you read? Mm. What did you watch? I loved reading biographies, uh, designers' biographies. And um, I remember there was this blog. <laughs> it was really stupid, but it was called um, Perez Hilton, uh, he's an American guy that had like, and then he had another blog, that, but, but that was just focused on fashion. And I just loved going through yeah. there, just seeing the images of people dressing in the red carpet. Like I, I just saw that. Um, and, and then Instagram, I started like following people and it was really interesting because, um, it wasn't just about celebrities in this case. You can follow uh, these new influencers that were up and coming, but you can also follow some editors, 
some designers. So it was really interesting to get into their lives and see how, um, yeah, like more their personal aesthetic and what they were seeing and what they were experiencing day by day. Okay, mm. so that's that's really cool. And all all that exploration kind of uh, make you want to work in fashion. Um, what was kind of the elements that make you said, okay, I, I want to to be in that universe? And did you already had an idea of what you wanted to do before you started studying? To be completely honest, I think uh, as well as acting, I also had glamorized this idea about working on fashion. Like my references were Sex and the City and all of these uh, movies and chick flicks and series of women working in New York in magazines or on these super uh, glamorous companies. And, and yeah, I, I had this image and it was really like abstract. I didn't know, I just, I just knew I wanted to work in fashion, but I didn't knew like where specifically. Um, I think my care, like my, my bachelor's didn't gave me like a real scope of, uh, real opportunities also here in Mexico to be completely honest is really um, limited compared to Paris there aren't in Paris you have a wide range of um, of working options and different job roles here in Mexico is like five percent of what you have in Paris so I knew my options were limited and I also had this dream of what I saw in movies and what I read and what and everything of working in magazines. I in high school I started with a blog, a personal fashion blog in which I, uh, you know, took photos of my outfits and wrote. And I I've always enjoyed writing. I, I remember my parents always told me that ah oh, you write really beautiful when I gave them letters or whatever. Um, so I was like yeah that would be something that I would love and mm, in my bachelor's I started like looking for a job and to do my internship there and I started working in magazines and yes it working in magazines it it can be a bit like you see in movies like it's very glamorous it's really fun it's really dynamic but I also like at the end got a real I wanted to you know to do something more to be more on the business side. So that's where I where I was on that stage when I arrived to Paris. Okay. And in the magazines, can you tell us what type of magazines and what, what did you do yeah, over there? Yeah, I started working in a, in a magazine called Fahrenheit magazine. It's an art, uh, it's about art. So there I was in the PR department. Um, the team was really small and it was, about art, but obviously like the um, advertisers and everything were, were luxury brands. So I remember we did a cover story with Chanel. It was like an illustrator, illustration. Um, what I did there, basically, I was there around one year. We did a really big event in one of the biggest museums here in Mexico called the Munal. Um, it was the dual year between Germany and Mexico. Uh, so we brought um, the exhibition of an artist called Otto Dix. And I remember because the yeah. team was really small and my, and I, um, my boss like really, because I remember I just came to that magazine and I was like, I want to work. You don't have to pay me. You don't have to sign me everything. I just want to work. And he was like, really? And I was like, yes, please. So, so he like really enjoyed having me there and he was like really surprised and I didn't ask for anything. I just wanted to work there. And when the event came, like he already had some, um, some trust in me and he was like, you are going to take charge of this. Um, the museum is in the city center and the offices were really far. And my school was a bit nearer to the city center. So he was like, you're going to go there and you're going to be in charge of this because I cannot go to the city center all, all day. So you're going to be in charge of this. And I, I like I at first I was really scared. I, I remember like telling my friends, like, I don't know if I'm going to like do it, you know, because it's a huge event in a in a museum. I don't know anything about it. I don't know anything about um, 
bringing the people in in the catering and the and how to take care of of the artwork like i have no idea about anything but at the end my boss was like do it the event came out fine and but i wanted more i wanted to be more um focused on fashion and so eventually the magazine wasn't doing very well it wasn't gonna expand so i was like okay i'm i'm out of this and i started looking for another job and i came to l'officiel um it was a publishing house that okay. had l'officiel and i remember i also came with the well yeah with the boss and i and i told him the same thing like i just want to work please you don't have to pay me you don't have to do anything just i just want to work here and he was like okay but l'officiel is full right now um i'm gonna put you in the commercial area of all of the magazines and i was like okay so i started there and i started helping like the commercial manager and basically my job was to attract new advertisers to all of the magazines and to do a lot of pr to get um for for the magazines and um to attract talent a lot of events planning events in-house but also attend a lot of events um and i really liked it and i think i learned a lot but still i was with this uh, goal that i want to be in the fashion area of the fashion magazine writing about fashion and styling and i wanted to be doing that specifically so um so i oh, i remember i like every three months or so i came to the office boss and is it open yet is it open yet can i move can i move areas and eventually he said like no it's not open it's a really small team <laughs> but you can help them if you want to stay in the commercial area but you want to be in the editorial um area too it's okay you just have to talk to them if they will let you so i went with the editor-in-chief of l'officiel and i said like hi i'm ikerne i've been working here for a few months i would like to help you out um, writing stories and 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 yes and she said yes and i started um writing about art so about art and books i remember it was like the two the monthly they gave me like this uh this um story they had about a book so i remember i took the book home i read it and it was normally like art books and that was my job and i was and i also helped them like with styling and you have to go there to the gucci um, showroom and get me these pieces and i remember i was like so happy and then it's it's the time when i went to paris so i finished my bachelor and i went to paris for my specialization and i came back and my first the boss that was there it was the boss for not for l'officiel but for another magazine that was in the same publishing house it was a men's magazine and he was really like he we got along well and he really liked it liked the way i worked he was like really impressed with how dynamic i was and he and um esquire magazine called him to be the the editorial director so he said like i'm going to esquire do you want to come with me when you come back from paris and i was like yes so i came back to paris and i had my first job like my first official full-time job out of school with no school or anything and i started as a fashion coordinator at esquire so i was there like three years wow mm. yes such a journey amazing mm. that's that's great but before we can we, we continue we continue on the journey i just want to double click on 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 few things that you that you said can you Explain to us a little bit what is it to be uh, in a magazine in PR. What is the difference between commercial and editorial? What the, what does it mean? What are the difference in terms of position? Commercial and it's all about money. So your job is basically to get the advertisers and to get them to pay the most amount they can for for space in the in the magazine. Um, you also it's it's sometimes. Um, this fight uh, between the editorial and the commercial area because sometimes the editorial team is more creative or they want to do things with a lot of brands and have you know like i remember 
when I was in the editorial um, area, like I really wanted to get small designers in the magazine and to give uh, space to local designers, to Mexican designers. But the truth was that Mexican and small designers couldn't pay. So it was this fight um, that I had to include the, the brands that were that were paying. So commercial area basically um, is in charge of including these brands and making sure that the editorial team, yes, they have some freedom to say so, but you also have to um, to prioritize um, brands that advertise in the magazine just because of, of, of business. So it's these two parts of like advertising, like, um, yeah, like advertising, uh, and also like these edit, like more editorial notes that maybe you don't see it as an advertising, but it actually is paid. Um, and mm, yes. Um, so just to, to understand. So we, when we open a magazine, we see like a full page ads and then we see uh, shooting with clothing. Um, what is the commercial part that does? They, they, they are on the full page or they are on the actual clothes that uh, are shot uh, during the more editorial, more what creative part? What happens, for, to give you an example, obviously there are, um, you know, like some stories or some shootings that you do that are totally creative and that nothing has to do with the commercial aspect, but most of them are and um, more nowadays that uh, the it's not it's nothing new that the the publishing industry and the magazine industry is in crisis right now. So money is something very important. So for example, we sell um, one page advertising to whatever brand, whatever we say. Okay, you pay for this, and we will also give you some space in a shooting we're doing. So we are that is the job of the commercial area to do it more um yeah like to get them into to advertise and sometimes we do like packages and try to make the brands happy so that they uh keep uh choosing this magazine to uh, to advertise okay and what about the when you are into editorial so you kind of take what the commercial part has negotiated the type of brands and then you have to m actually make the magazine taking those uh, negotiations yes, in so consideration. You, you basically have some some things you have to do. Like for example, this month we are having whatever brand in the cover story. No matter what, no matter what the celebrities, I don't care. We have to have this brand. So the editorial team has to do all this strategy up to think. Okay. So if Rolex paid for the for the front cover, who is um, what celebrity or what um, yeah what people can we include in Rolex that isn't working with another watch brand? So you have to be strategic in that part and see who do you want to come. Or sometimes it's the other way around. You have the talent and you see okay. This talent is the ambassador for Ferrari, um, Red Bull, and this this watch brand, this fashion brand. Okay, so the commercial area goes to all of these brands and tries to sell the cover story. And the editorial team on the other side is working more on the creative side. How is going to look the shooting? How is how is going to, what are you going to talk about? What, what, what is this person doing that you are going to talk about with him in the interview, et cetera, et cetera. And it's basically like, it's a lot of, also I worked um, in this group of magazines that they have magazines in all, well, Esquire has Esquires in all around the world. So you also get in this uh, like software thingy you have, that you can go and buy articles from other esquires in other countries. So I got on this software and because there is some part, there is like a percentage of articles in the magazine that has that have to be like uh, in-house made, like I had to do the shooting and I had to write them. But there is also a percentage that you have to get from the other esquires. Like it's a it's a rule from the publishing house. So the job is also to okay. 
to see like all of these squires around the world and see, oh, okay, I like this, and you contact them and see if they if they can sell it to you, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yes. Mm. Okay, looks super diverse in terms of of role. What would you say? What have you learned uh, from the commercial part, and what have you learned in the editorial mm. part? I think it's interesting to have both parts, like. Um, Sometimes I remember that sometimes the commercial area was, to give you an example, Esquire was a really luxury magazine and it, men, and sometimes they told us like, okay, you have to publish this um, milk brand. And we were like, what? Like, how on earth do you want us to get this milk brand to look good on a magazine? And it's... And I remember that some editors like got really mad and I'm not doing it. I'm not doing this milk brand. I'm a fashion editor. I'm not doing things with milk. But no, it's to understand that it's a business. You have to sell. And if it's and, and it, it was COVID, so the, it was really hard. Like I remember there was like three squires that we didn't have one advertiser, not one. Uh, like we re we had blank pages on the magazine like it got out it printed out with blank pages so um it's this thing to okay maybe it's not ideal to have a milk brand but how are you gonna do it um in the most creative and sophisticated way you can um because you also have to understand that it's a business and you have to sell um and when you understand both parts like the the commercial team has quotas that they have to meet um you understand that it and what i what i understand is that all of business and all of the jobs you had it's relationships with people with real people so the best way like to to make it to to make it work is to have a good relationship with the with other part of the team and make them understand like okay you give me the milk brand, but please get me. So it's all about relationships. If you have a good relationships, it's sometimes better it, um, just to negotiate and be like, okay, but please get me this brand. I really want to work with them. And to start working as a team instead of this war that sometimes it, it gets to that point that you have to do that. And the editorial team is like, no, we are just fashion and aesthetic and it has to look nice. So no, it has to be like both ways and to help um, the commercial team but also the commercial team they can help us if there is this good communication and good oh <laughs> sorry and good relationship yeah that's that's great what you're saying about like um, it's what i call understanding the language of the other business or the other <laughs> position and really understand how they work, what are their needs, what are their missions, and trying to create everything that what you need towards their need as well, and try to create something like, uh, you know, beneficial for both team. And that's what creates like the, you know, the team spirit. And as you say, I give you this, you give me that. And the next time, you know, we anticipate better different things. And it it, it is a, a lot in our industry. There is a lot of uh, a moment when we, it's not so much about the mission; exactly. it's about the, the relationship and the people. So that's a that's a great a great one. Something I wanted to go back a little bit that really uh, surprised me when you were saying is like your eagerness to go work uh, and go talk to people and say, "Okay, I want to work with you. I don't care if you if you pay me." Where where that uh, kind of spirit uh, come from? Mm, I think it's just my personality. Like I'm. A really dynamic person and I've always been like really proactive like if you if you tell me please send me an email I will send it in the next five minutes like I don't like to wait and I remember my dad always telling me like it's better to start working sooner because the sooner you start getting experience well it's it's accumulative and also you have experience and you can he I remember he telling me like it's important that you get to know where do you really want to your career to go and where do you want to work and to start getting into um, yes into the professional um, yeah like to get um, this professional scope of how things work 
and he told me it's the best school to work is the best school um, more than classes and more than everything you will learn everything you need to know by working and so yeah I had this like this on my mind since I started and I knew I wanted to get um, experience uh, sooner and to be able to um, to see what was what were my options out there so when school ended, I knew what I wanted to do. It didn't work out <laughs> totally like that, but I think it did help me to um, to have experience sooner and to get like I remember I finished school and I had a job. Some of my like my other classmates like one year and they didn't have a job because they didn't have experience and that was like and it's and it's complicated because not all of students want to work or can work you know so and and companies nowadays want you to have experience but they don't understand that there are people getting out of college without experience so i so here in mexico i really saw how they struggled to get their first job and for me it wasn't that hard because i already had some jobs that didn't pay me but like I, I got the experience and the CV that I wanted to get that job. And how, what would you say are the advice for somebody like uh, starting uh, in a college, wanting to work in fashion, uh, maybe they don't have any experience. What advice would you give them maybe even to convince or even to contact people uh, who are in the industry? What, what would you give them uh, as an advice? I think they, I think to be humble, it's really important. You know, uh, you have, you have to understand that you don't have, you don't have any experience. You won't be available all the time because you, your priority is to finish school in that time. So if you have this opportunity to work in a company that will take you, if they pay you or don't pay you, I don't care. It's an opportunity that they are giving you. Um, last week, I was just doing these interviews for an intern that I will hire for like, like for me. And I remember like I, I was in like first approaches with all of these, um, all of these people and these students. And they seem, I think they see me young and they don't, um, sometimes I was like, Hey, I'm not your friend. Like this is work. You have to be professional and talk to me like in a professional manner. They were like using slang and using bad words. And I was like, no, no, no. Okay. This person is not, or also like people like their first, um, they did, I got interviews. Like their first question was how much are you going to pay me? And when I asked them, what do you think about the company? Uh, well, I didn't understand very well what you do, but um, I didn't have a lot of time to do research. And I was like, okay, so you're really interested in how much I'm going to pay you, but you have no idea what you're going to do or what the company does. Like for me, those are red flags. You have to like to really, yeah, like be humble and say, okay, am I a student? I want, uh, I want an opportunity. I want to start working. Maybe they're not going to pay me a lot. Maybe they're not going to pay me, but it's going to be like the first little step that I'm going to have to have experience in my CV and to later on have another job or to stay in that company that later on, if I do a, a good job, they will want to hire me. So I think it's all about attitude, like to have a good attitude and to be open and yeah, to, to have a good attitude to and to want to really work. It's a, it's a great uh, advice and, and thanks for sharing your your experience as a recruiter now for your own in, interns. And uh, it, it's great what you're saying about the attitude. I think a lot of it it's, uh, goes back to, the, to, to that idea of being humble, being, uh, wanting to, to learn and work hard, as you were saying, not, know, not knowing what you're going to be in terms of mission, in, but figuring out on, on the way. Uh, but most and foremost, it's arrive prepared to any type yes. of uh, interview. Because as you said, the first question that we, we ask is, okay, tell us about yourself. What you, basically, which means what can mm. you bring to the company? <laughs> and um, why do you want to work here? And if we don't have any, let's say, 
any good attitude or at least the beginning of a professional answer even though people are students at that time as you said everything become a, a red flag um, that's why one of the advice i always give it's about like uh, being on the other side and imagine yourself as a recruiter and most of the time basically as an uh, when when you are um, uh, doing an, an, inter an interview the idea is to uh, reassure at the end the recruiter. It's reassured that, okay, maybe I don't know everything, but I have the attitude and the eagerness to, to work. Uh, maybe uh, I don't uh, I don't know all of it, but I don't understand everything about the company, but I understand enough and that shows that I've done my homeworks and I understand the, let's say the core business. And sometimes it's, that, that's it. That, that's all we need to, mm. to understand. Because you see, the red flags arrive super, yes. super fast. And also, like you said it, no, to do research. Like I, nobody knows how to do your curriculum, how, how, like the basic rules of how you, you should have your CV. But honestly, the, all the information, it's out there. You just have to Google it to listen to a podcast. Like it's really simple to know the, the basic rules of how to do a good interview, a good CV. For example, I received a CV that was five pages, five pages from a girl that was studying and this was going to be her first job. And it was like this, um, like this huge uh, letters. And I was like, what is this? And, and I mean, we, we don't, we are not born learning how to do a CV, but if you Google it, just one Google and you will find out that it, for a CBU, one pager. If you're a student, one page. And it's and for me it was that like this girl doesn't have the interest of just looking in the internet and saying how should I, my CV looks. Or so it was like okay, it's okay if you don't know, but have the interest in in doing research in like getting to know. It's okay if you don't know, but ask. Like it's okay to raise your hand and saying I don't know. Google, please help me, please help me that, please help me you, please, whatever. But to get help, I think to ask also for advice, to ask people, to ask questions is really important. I also think that's a very good advice to, it's okay to not know, but ask. Don't remain yourself with not knowing. Mm. It's, a, it's, it's a great one. That's why at the end, just go yes. to Canva, have a template yes. already made, exactly. and that's already like mm. a, you're already 90% uh, mm. right. Thank you for for sharing all of, all of, all of that. Those are, are great uh, great advice. And and continuing on the editorial part, what did you like about the job of editorial? Like mm. uh, you say, you went to Gucci, find the the product. What was those kind of experience? And 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 how did you choose what? What was the criteria to choose some product, not uh, other product? How does it work? About being in editorial, I really like that it was a very dynamic and that not on the level that you see in Sex and the City, but it is a very glamorous job. Like I remember that I went on trips, um, that I went to really, really cool events. Like you have experiences that you won't and have anywhere else because it's yeah, like you, you have a lot of good experiences. Um, it's very dynamic all of the time. It's changing and it's very fast because you are, um, okay, the magazine goes out today, but we are, we have like three weeks to finish the, the next, uh, the next issue. So it's really a really fast paced, uh, industry. Um, I, how you choose the clothes, for example, for shootings. Well, it it's something like, for example, you have to know the size and the, that the fit of the person you're going to dress. Um, also, the brands have their rules uh, to say, for example, if you're doing the shooting for August and September, maybe they have clothes that they can only uh, um, lend to you if it's for the August magazine, but if it's September, it's too late. So you also have to negotiate with the PR, uh, with the showroom person and to see what's available for them in terms of commercial um, terms for them. So the size, I would say, if it's available, um, 
if it goes with your theme overall with the, with like the mood board you did for that shooting and that it's okay with the brand there are some brands that um their rule for example it's we we can only uh, lend you things if you're gonna go for a full look uh, of our brand if you're gonna have um other brands in that same look sorry you can't have us for example that's another rule um they were also like runway looks that said this look you have to uh, publish it like this like the whole entire look shoes accessories you cannot um so it limited a bit the creativity because you cannot like you know put things extra or whatever but you have to work with those rules and to see okay maybe this brand is very strict and they only let you useful looks and how they have them but this other brand doesn't care so you can have a mix in that look and do a balance and also to talk to the commercial area and see okay which brands uh, are we interested on having on the good terms or you know like having a good relationship with okay maybe like get that brand on the shooting so that next month they will want to advertise with us so you also have to think on those terms yes Mm, mm. yeah makes makes sense uh, super super interesting what you say mm. about like how brands have rules how you cannot mix uh, everything the we don't think sometimes about the ca calendar of the, of uh, okay this is too late for in them stores, because it's not going to be in the in, mm. in the store or and anything like that so that's a that's a great one and um i just wanted to continue in your in in your journey and uh why did you decide to go to Paris after that uh, first e experience and, and what did you kind of learn? I honestly there? felt very stuck. Like I saw the company and I knew like my limit was there. Like I could, saw, I could see very clearly where my limit in terms of growth was going to be if I uh, continued to work on magazines. Um, I also knew that it was really evident the crisis and how bad magazines are doing nowadays. So I had this feeling about like being in the sinking ship and I was like, I don't want to be in the sinking ship this early on in my career. Um, it's a, yes, it's a really nice industry, but I, I wanted to, to grow more and I saw more area of opportunity in, in other careers or other areas, for example, technology, I knew I didn't knew anything about business, for example. Um, I knew some things about how the industry worked because of school, because of what I read, um, because of the magazine, but I was very limited on that. And I felt that if I wanted to, to grow and also, and also make more money, I had to expand. I was really scared, but because I always had this feeling that I was really bad with numbers and math, so I was like, no, no, I only know how to make shootings and to write. That's the only thing I, I know how to do. But I decided to, to break those things and to go out and learn, learn new things. Um, I remember that for some time I was looking for other jobs, but it was really hard for me to get another, like they offered me other jobs in other magazines. And I was like, no, I want to go out of this area. So for me, the best option and the option that I, that I wanted was to make um, that like continue studying to do a master's that maybe would expand my options and wouldn't get me like automatically out of my comfort zone. I knew I had to, well, to, to leave my work that I didn't at the end, but I, I thought at first that I would have to leave my work and it would eventually push me to get out and look for another job, which it did. It's um, it's really interesting the, the 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 way you think it. That's something I always notice in you. Is like how you always have a one or two step ahead in the way you think. That you see, you analyze that. Okay, I might be in a thinking chip here. What can I do? And it's something that even though we are in a fast-paced environment or industry, it's always good to always keep the moments. And 
have the eyes open and say, okay, where I am, where I am going, as you said, like, okay, I already see the limits where I can go. So I think that's an, an excellent uh, skill that you have. And mm-hmm. that's why I wanted to, to, to highlight, uh, highlight it because uh, it's not everybody uh, who does that. Sometimes you just have your job and you like, you enjoy it, the parties, the, the fun, the clothes and, uh, and the rhythm. But you don't see that you are going in the direction that maybe is not the right uh, uh, for, for for you. So that's a that's a great point. And and what did you learn at the, in your in, in your master? And how did that change mm. kind of your your trajectory? Mm-mm-mm. I I remember that um, what was really what I really highlighted about uh, my school is that there was this focus on on two things that were out of my my scope like i knew i wanted to get into the business but something very abstract and i thought it was gonna be something related to numbers and that was it and when i came to school there was this uh, highlight about sustainability and technology Like I perceived these two things as the biggest areas of opportunities in the fashion industry right now. And where where new things were going on, where brands were really focusing in, in developing and growing. So So I knew that I wanted to redirect my career towards one or both areas. Just... I didn't know anything about them. I didn't know anything about sustainability or like I knew the basic stuff, you know, but or technology, like for me, the metaverse and inter, and artificial intelligence was something like really new. I knew it, it existed. I knew it was out there, but I didn't see it as a possibility to work in one of those things because I, I thought like, I don't know anything about that, like how I'm going to work there. Um, but it was something that was really... Yeah, like it really motivated me and it really captured my attention. So I started looking. Um, I knew I also was attracted to works that were remote and they were like the technology jobs uh, were like most the, the most with remote options. So I said, well, like, okay, this is good about technology. It, it can give you the chance to work remotely. Uh, but it also, I also have to learn new skills and learn the language and um, learn the terms, etc. And because of life, I get to meet this woman who is launching a fashion tech company, and that, and that is also willing to to show me and to teach me new things. So it was a perfect opportunity to stay in fashion, uh, something that I like, something that I do know but also getting these two other areas that were really new for me, sustainability and technology. Okay. And so what, what do you do today uh, in terms of uh, mixing those, uh, um, those two worlds? Okay, so now I work in a fashion tech company that develops algorithm, artificial intelligence and modules to help facilitate e-commerce. Um, as the first, as their first project, they launched this uh, e-commerce, um, this marketplace. Uh, sorry, this marketplace where we sell only like luxury independent brands that work uh, responsibly. So, for example, I I started to learn the difference between a brand that was totally sustainable and a brand that was just responsible. To be a sustainable brand, you have to meet certain criteria that some brands are on the journey to get there but are not there yet so so i had to learn all of these specifications how it is how do you classify a brand that is ethical that is sustainable that it's etc etc and in terms of technology um, this product and this um yeah, like the system and the um, the algorithms and the APIs that we have to facilitate the e-commerce is something that I have to sell to to brands and to and to get the comp- to the co- the people to get their company. So it's something that I had to understand. 
to understand and to really learn about what my boss was talking about and what the problem is with the um, with the tech with the technical team it's a really small team so i'm i'm really in contact with everyone so i had to understand and to get to know if maybe i'm not in the technical team and i don't you know i don't do the software myself but i have to understand the software and what that, what they are talking about so it was a really it is a very uh, good first approach to that completely new language and completely new world that was that i perceived as out of my league Mm. Yeah, it's super interesting, especially as you said, that you didn't know anything about it. And um, what are the skills that you acquired in your previous job that you were able kind of to transfer to this new kind of uh, position? Yes. I think I would get it back to the attitude. Like, uh, honestly, there were things that I didn't know how to do. Like, there was no way I, I knew even school didn't taught me the, the things but it's about attitude. Okay, I don't know it, please. I want to learn and to be to be open to learn and to be open to dedicate some time to and to let people explain things to you and also do research yourself. Like if my boss, um, I remember her asking, um, asking her me to do some research about how money is raised here in Mexico and business angels and things like that. When she met, like, I know a lot of people know what business angels are, but I have no idea. And I have no idea how you raise money, how that world, all of the raising money for startup works, etc. So I remember I w was weeks researching and trying to, um, yeah, to understand how if you want to raise money for a new company, how does it work? And what people do you have to look to look for? And what companies do you have to look for? And what does your company have to have to be able to um, to ask for it, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, I think it's about attitude. Okay, maybe there are skills, maybe there are things that you won't know, but if you have the disposition to learn them, that's all that matters. Um, maybe some skills, I would say, um, I will get it back to, to people. Like if you learn to connect with people and to understand that you can be talking to, like we are all people here working. So even if you talk to the PR assistant, to the software manager, to the IT, whatever, you are always talking to a person. So if you really understand that and learn to do relationships with people, it's going to be easier for you and for them to understand you and to have a better communication. So I think having good relationships with people, having a good communication and understanding that we are all people and we are, we all have bad days and we have different ways of communicating and asking for things and ways of just being, you can, you can work more easily. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a great one. Uh, but mm. uh, at the end of the day, we are all human beings in a passionate in the industry wanting to do a good job. And that's, uh, yes, that's it. <laughs> it's uh, at the heart of it. That's what it is. And, um, and what surprised you the, the most working in, in, in tech, mixing fashion? What was kind of the thing that, uh, as surprising you the most compare maybe to what you are, you have I done in the past. I didn't have the slightest idea how complicated and how sophisticated like a web page can be. And I say web page because for me, I just went to whatever web page, Google, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Perez Hilton or whatever. And I saw the same thing. But when you understand all the technology and the software and like the bases they have different for different things like a marketplace is going to be very different from a blog and all the small details that you don't see it's really yeah like like it it really shocked me like i i really thought that all like i went to sarah.com and gucci.com and whatever and, and i think like okay shopify you know they <laughs> i this is a shopify and no it's maybe there are some some brands that use shopify but there are some others that are really complicated and to get to that point 
if you want to do a completely like new page it's really complicated and for it to work and hosting the service and all of that it's really yeah it's really sophisticated and i didn't understand or, or didn't imagine how complicated and, and how interesting that would be mm. Mm. yeah that's a that's a great one it's true it's so such a unique uh, world uh, the the tech part of it and uh, as you say as your job even though you're not in it it's really important to have like no like basic knowledge and to start being a little bit curious about it because that's where the world is going and uh, it's part of like that, uh, you know, that language, the language of technology is infused in so many uh, aspects of our, our industry. And um, and I agree, once you start understanding how at least how things work or interconnect, um, there is a world of new opportunities also that uh, arise to understand what kind of business, uh, how the business is going to be, what kind of position, there's so many jobs that didn't exist 10 years ago when I, when I, when I, I left, uh, I finished my studies that, you know, now, uh, now exist. And I don't imagine how many old new jobs are going to even uh, appear in, uh, in the next 10 years. So to arrive kind of uh, at the, the conclusion, uh, now that you are, you already know more about technology, sustainability, again, what, what kind of advice would you give to, to somebody that wants to work in, in fashion that uh, maybe is a little bit interesting in, in, in tech? Uh, what would you give them in terms of uh, advice? I will say um, to always be on the look for these new areas of opportunities. Maybe like on my case, maybe I had this dream of working in magazines, but you have to be observant on what is going on in the world. Okay, maybe magazines are dying. Fact. Let's move on and see what areas of opportunities are now, uh, what is trending, what people are doing, what er areas of business are growing. And to, yes, maybe you love magazines, but you have to actualize and have to like, Yes, like move on and see, okay, if I love magazines, maybe I'm going to read them more, but maybe my area of opportunity or where I have more growth is going to be technology. Okay, let's do some research. What skills do I need? Because now I see some technology companies, some fashion tech companies that, and I see these really cool new jobs. And when I see the requirements for that job, it's impressive to see like, I don't, even understand what this word means you know so I think to to be curious and to see what is going on what what does the industry is gonna look like in 10 years and to start working on a, on acquiring those skills it would be really good for for people that want to work in fashion mm. Mm. yeah that's a it's a great one I like the advice of uh, looking at job posts and try to understand what are the skills that it's, it's needed today, even though the position is not maybe the right fit for you at that moment of your career, but at least understanding what, what kind of skills and what does it mean if they are technical skills or, or technical words. Um, because like that, you have a, a step ahead compared to maybe if you're still a student or even working, you have a step ahead compared to other people. Because as you were saying, People are working, some people are studying, but they don't have that step ahead as we uh, we talked about earlier. So I think it's a it's a great great advice to 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 look at it. It's a it's a good one. So again, I know in, in terms of time uh, we are arriving at, at, at the end. Um, my last question would be like, what about um, now? What kind of uh, what do you see yourself in the coming uh, months, years? Where what do what do you imagine uh, uh, you're gonna explore more into the fashion tech, more in the sustainability? Um, I think what, that I would, um, I would like to focus more on sustainability and learn more about the industry, what sustainability means, what fashion companies are doing, what companies in general are doing to be more sustainable. I think that it, that's uh, an area that really interests me and that it's really important for me personally and 
I see that it's a thing that we all have to get in that in that wagon because it's it's a crisis that we are all that we are all living in. So I think that that would be like the area I would like to get more into. It's it's a it's a really important one, and uh, I agree. We all have to kind of do some homework and continue to to understand more what does it mean for the industry, uh, because at the end, those are the one in power to really make some uh, some changes changes and uh, and some impact. And uh, and kind of la last question, you were saying that you're in the platform you are working on. You see like new luxury brands that are sometimes most responsible, so sometimes uh, sustainable. Do you have any kind of uh, brand that you notice that you personally, for example, like, or that you didn't know before that are doing interesting things mm -hmm. on, the, on that topic? Good question. Um... Mm -hmm. There is this brand that I really like um, that is called Hua Lingerie. It's a Mexican brand and they just got out a collection. Um, like it's nothing really fancy or really innovative, but they got out a collection with, um, in Mexico we call them retazos, basically like dead stock pieces of fabric from previous collections. But what I like about um, about the the this project of them is that they like they managed to do a really aesthetic um collection but they with their reason because it's a really small brand they wouldn't have the money to do a really technology um fabric that it's made out of stars that don't contaminate no they don't have the money to do that fancy and super sophisticated stuff, but with, with their possibilities and what they already had, they managed to do a sustainable uh, and a more ethical collection. So I think that is what I, uh, I admire in, in brands, that you don't have to get really sophisticated and really complicated to find better ways to work. So I think that brands that are doing small changes, uh, I, really, I really value them. <clears throat> Mm. Yeah, that's an, an excellent example, and, yes. and please send us the sure. the link of the, the the brand like that. We can put it in the in the show notes, and uh, because it is something really interesting uh, that I've seen in the next last ten years, it's uh, brands like do sustainable collection or you know like uh, pop ups or things like that, uh, and for a long time it was hard to find the mm -hmm. aesthetic part of it. It was just like okay, this is a nice fabric or another way to produce but the aesthetic the magic let's say of uh, the fashion what was not there and today we see more and more how that constraint of sustainability uh, is transformed into real creativity and, uh, and aesthetic and i think that's uh, one of the big big uh, uh, improvements in our industry it's about the design how designers think about those constraints and use that uh, to elevate the the, the clothes and the collection and the sustainability part is waved inside it's woven inside the the aesthetic part and is not on top of it like uh, it used to be uh, before so that's why we see all those new uh, let's say younger brands and smaller brands having like really nice points of view uh, aesthetically and mm. they're also sustainable so mm. thank you for for sharing that that one and, and we're gonna look at it Iperne, thank you again for, for your time. It was a great conversation and a lot of good uh, uh, advice. Um, anything that you want to add uh, before we wrap up? Anything that you want to say to our audience? Um, just thank you. Before, thank you for uh, having me and thank finish. you for connecting with me. Also, thank you for all of your coaching sessions and your advice that you gave me. Um, some things that I, that I said were very influenced by your coaching sessions. I remember this phrase that you told me about planning your moves like chess moves that really stuck with me and and i appreciate what you're doing and how you are helping students and um, other people like me that want to take their career further i i really appreciate and admire 
your work. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Kerne, and mm. uh, thanks for the kind words. Yeah, the, yeah. the chess mindset, mm. as we, mm. as I always said, yeah, always mm. have a, one mm. or two steps mm. ahead, and uh, you illustrated that very well. So, so thank you again for your time, and I wish you the the best in the new uh, new year coming, and uh, and let's stay in touch and see where you end up thank uh, you, going. Thank uh, you, Do you see now why the chess mindset is a great framework to use? But before I give you the three tips. Let's review what we have learned from this conversation with Ikerne. One, the reality of working in editorial styling is not always as glamorous as it used to. Today, besides a great sense of style and trends, you need to acquire a commercial point of view in order to balance creativity with revenues. Also, work on building trust within your team and the other departments. Remember that without them, you won't be able to do your job properly. Number two, the number one rule when applying to a position is to avoid prepare. Do your homework about the company, understand what are the missions, and always keep a professional posture when communicating. It might seem a no-brainer to some of you, but I'm telling you, I hear the complaints all the time from my peers. Number three, shifting to fashion tech, it's a process. So the third thing is to learn the language, the acronyms, the vocabulary, the way things are done how the engineer thinks and process tasks. You might have some great knowledge about fashion, but you will need to have a great sense of humility to thrive in the fashion tech. So be patient and keep learning. What about the chess mindset? Let me explain. When a chess player makes a move, they always have in mind several possible combinations planned in advance. Don't think one step at a time, which allow them to imagine and create several possible scenarios starting from this particular move, and also several possible outcomes from this starting position. Do you see where I'm going with this? Why don't we apply the same way of thinking to our careers? Why should we only think our career in a linear way? And the best part is that you can apply this chess mindset to any aspect of your life. So here are a few tips that you can start implementing today. One, long-term return on investment. Whenever you are going to move, try to look beyond the obvious advantage. Look further. Two, fear setting. Imagine if the next move doesn't work, how can you leverage the new skill and experience that you have acquired? Look at Tim Ferriss' TED Talk on the topic. Three, future scenarios. Once you make your next move, what new roles do you believe could open in front of you? How can you start preparing yourself today to take them tomorrow? Simple, right? It has been such a simple and fundamental concept that I teach to all my students and clients. If you are still hearing this, thank you so much for tuning in. I know how much your time is valuable. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. This is the most efficient way to help us grow and entice the people to listen to the show. If you have any questions, comments or requests, please feel free to reach out on LinkedIn. In the next episode, we will deep dive in the role of retail merchandiser with Victoria Carpentin, currently the junior merchandiser of women ready to wear at Salon. Until next time, I wish you a wonderful day.